You're listening to the Steady Trade Podcast, a podcast that inspires traders to make meaningful strides and pursue their passions. Your hosts are Tim Bowen, the lead trainer at Stocks to Trade Pro, Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street coach, and Steven Johnson, the up-and-coming trader who's always willing to learn. Together, we'll sit down with experts to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and discuss how all traders can level up their trading careers. This is episode 122 of the Steady Trade Podcast and the first episode of the Steady Trade Book Club. It's been a long time in the making, so I'm going to step back and let Tim, Kim, and Steven take it away. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast. So we've got our, as announced um, a while back, we've got our first episode of the Steady Trade Book Club. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, probably know, unless this is your first episode, big fan of reading. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a, maybe a dying thing. Maybe, maybe I'm making it more of a dying thing than it is, but I feel like everyone should read more. I mean, however much you read, I think you should read more. And I think it's a great way to absorb trading knowledge particularly. I mean, a lot of this stuff is psychological. I mean, you're, you're dealing with a lot of stuff. I mean, if you're struggling with your trading, odds are you got something going on in your brain. And I think one of the best ways to absorb this stuff is, is reading and reflection, okay? Podcasts are great. YouTube is great. Webinars are great. But in trading, so much of it is just you versus you. And I think that tr- reading and reflecting on that reading is a great way to accomplish that. So today we've got book one, The Daily Trading Coach by Brett Steenbarger. Um, it was a fun episode. We actually gave Kim's, Stevens, and my input. And then we did a little bit of a flashback episode to when Steven and I talked about it about a year and a half ago. So I know I mentioned this in the episode, so you're going to hear me say it again, but I honestly feel this. I mean, if you're looking to succeed at this, if this is something you really, really want to do and you don't spend the 25 bucks on Dr. Brett's book and read it repeatedly, this might not be for you. Okay. Buy this book, read it and reread it. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, we're back with the first episode of the Steady Trade Book Club. Um, as always, definitely, you know, the easiest way, if you're listening on iTunes or YouTube, go to SteadyTrade.com. We'll have kind of the schedule laid out. I think we're going over like five or six books over the next few months. And we, you know, the goal, what we want is for you to read them along. You know, we're, we're doing a virtual book club here. So would be awesome. If you can check out that schedule and, you know, hopefully you've already read today's book and you're prepared. But if you haven't, I think we've still got a lot of content. We're actually going to enclose a previous episode from, ooh, I think it was a while back, maybe a year and a half or so ago, where we actually took uh, sound bites, etc. Um, so we've kind of, kind of covered this book already, but it's still, you know, it's my book. I got to pick the first one. And um, I don't think, you know, I tell everybody, there's so many great books out there, trading, trading related books. There's thousands of them, maybe tens of thousands. I don't even know. But there's so many good ones out there. But I tell everybody, I mean, if you're going to buy one, okay, I don't suggest that. 
But if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only take one book, it's today's book. It's The Daily Trading Coach by Dr. Brett Steenbarger. Um, we've got uh, both of our co-hosts back today. Kim and Stephen are here, and we're going we're gonna to kind of offer um, our opinions and, and break this down. Can, Stephen? Can, I just, can I just interject? I'm so sorry. But if I was lost You're on a desert sorry. island with no one and no internet connectivity or anything like that, like I probably, if I could choose one book to have, it probably wouldn't be a trading book. <laughs> it would be a book on survival. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Well, I get that, but okay. So, uh, do you do you routinely carry a, a survival book with you? No, but I'm like, saying, but so like, you're in a survival situation. How would you know to have a survival book with you? I'm just saying, if I was on a desert island and I could have one book and there was no way of survive, if there was like no connection with the outer world or no one to help us, probably wouldn't ask for a trading book. Trading. All right. All right. I probably will because I can't trade anyway, so I don't need to learn it. So I've got, I've got a bit of trivia. I've, I've got, I'm going to quiz you two both and then the listeners, you need to pause this and answer. So my, I, I often say my breadth of knowledge is a mile wide and like an eighth of an inch thick. Okay, so I know a lot of stupid shit about a lot of stupid shit. So I have a Desert Island reference for you, Stephen. Stephen, nice. did you get, answer one at a time? Did you watch Lost? Yes. Yes. Painfully. Yes. So yes. Okay. So saddest ending in history. Well, it's not sad. Worst, but but that no, we'll, 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 we'll save that for another day. So one of my favorite characters, actually, I'll let I'll have you guys guess. Who do you think was my base, probably favorite character on Lost? Steven. I already I already know. Like I know Who? you so well. After three years, I know. Who? It's John Locke. Don't tell me what I can't do. No, <laughs> he's up there, but no, Kim. <laughs> that, that, that's the guy that always had the T-shirt who was pushing back. I can't remember his name. The right? bald guy. Like he was the, kind yeah, of the... a loner. Yeah, I would have thought him too. Okay, you. okay. So top, definitely top two or three, but Sawyer was my favorite. Okay. <laughs> oh, Sawyer. Wait, was well, Sawyer and that's the what... hot guy? Yes, he yes. Was hot guy. And maybe that maybe that's why he was my favorite. I don't know. Maybe so. <laughs> he was so sexy. Well, he was what like I liked about him, you know, very flawed. His backstory was good. Remember, he was the con man. Yeah. You know, he one. Of, I think one yeah. of the best backstories. Okay, so yeah, now here comes the question, and if you get it, I will lose my mind. So Sawyer, <laughs> Sawyer on Lost was obviously trapped on a desert yeah. island. What yeah. book? Was Sawyer trapped on a desert island with? Oh, he read it. He, there's several scenes with him reading it. Stephen. Yep, yep. I remember that. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know, but I, I would guess it was like, because I remember John Locke was named after a famous philosopher, and I yes. thought like it was yep. kind of a play on words. Yeah. So I guess it's some sort of philosophy book, but I, I don't know yes. what one it is. Yes. I don't know what one. But All I right. Guess. I'm going to guess Walden. Walden? Yeah. Good guess, but no. It was. See, you guys, I hyped it up so much that I'm surprised you guys didn't guess. Because why was I so excited? A trading book? A trading no, no. book? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool, though. No. It was the Fountainhead. 
It was the phone. Hey! Oh no! I can't believe this! <laughs> I should have gotten that. that. I tried to really hype it up so that you guys would guess, but anyway. Oh, so. Wow, that's so cool! So I you're like ra- him even more now. Your your random bit of stupid <laughs> trivia. So, so Stephen, you were that talking about so the book, cool. and, I, and I interrupted you with my with my trivia competition. So. Um. I was not. I don't know if I was talking about the book. I was just saying you shouldn't. You shouldn't take a trading book on a desert island. But I do know the Daily right. Trading Coach by Brett Steinberger. Steinberger. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but yeah, it's good. It's. I know it's a. It's a. Every day you you read one tip, and it uh, slowly uh, prepares you psychologically to be a better trader. So what? Uh, let, well, why don't you kind of give your? Let, what, we're we're going to break it down. But uh, what is your? And then we'll go to you, Kim. I mean, what is your review of the book, Stephen? What? What? I mean, if you, you know, what is your brief? On, you honestly, know? honestly, I um, I like trading in the zone more because I felt like it went more. It had greater depth in terms of psychology and really breaking down. Um, really breaking down how you should trade, how you should think, given really in-depth examples, where this book was more, he has a tip for every day, but it didn't go deep into the surface. And, and, and I'm, I'm, a deep, I'm a deep emotional guy, so I, I like books that go deep too. But if, 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 you're like, if you're like on the train or on the metro or going to work, it's a very easy, practical, good, uh, good, good read or good audiobook. Kim, I, I liked it. I, I think I think it was written though for somebody to read a short uh, tidbit right before they start trading. So I, I don't know that. It, I mean, I don't know that somebody should be reading it from start to finish. I think it'd be better to just read the tidbit for the day. Uh, I thought the tidbits were, you know, the like lessons. Right? He called them lessons. I thought every, almost every single lesson was very powerful. And, and there's a rabbit hole behind all of them. And you're, you can't go down the rabbit hole in this book because you only have five minutes before you're about to trade to, to get prepared. Um, so yeah, there were, there were some that really blew me away and I was really impressed about them. And I felt too, the whole time I was reading it, I felt like it was so applicable to life. Never mind trading. Uh, and that is what I keep seeing, you know, cause I'm always curious about what makes me become more awake, more conscious. And every kind of lesson in here spoke to something that I think is applicable to just being more conscious and awake and aware of your way of your living. Never mind how you're trading. So, yeah, yeah. And, and my, but it was great. My response would be that I I agree with 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 both of you and 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 Stephen you know your point of that your point is actually one of the reasons I recommend this book so much is I mean yes you're right he doesn't go hard in the paint on any one particular topic because he's trying to do like it, it, you know I think of the book as a daily devotional if you're not you know if you're out there listening and you're not familiar with a daily devotional you know it's a, it's kind of a religious type thing but it's like you read this little snippet of scripture each day to kind of get your day started and and I think of this book as that and the reason I recommend it so much is I mean I know I mean, we live in 2019. It's a go, go, go world. It's not necessarily quote unquote in style. 
to sit down and read for an hour a day or two hours a day. And that's why I love this one so much is I know even, you know, some 19 year old guy with a very short attention span can spend five or seven or maybe the longest might be 10 minute lessons. So that file put it back in style. Tim, there, there you go. Yeah. Back in style. We're trying. That is not in style. We are totally doomed as a civilization. I mean, that is just like, how could that not be in style? Well, remember, Stephen Sawyer is, is even reading on a desert island. We can read, I mean, for God's sake. Remember, he's about to die. He's reading a book. Stephen, Stephen is the future of our species, and he doesn't read. So you know, yeah, and he I, does I actually read. just he loves it, he listens. It, it's up to Stephen to to pursue our species or, or to continue our species into the next generation. Our 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 life's <laughs> our continuing you know culture is in his hands. I am. I, uh, could you just repeat what you said because I, I lost concentration. I, I was just checking how many likes me uh, Instagram picture had. What, well done, what, well what were you guys talking about? I lost focus because I wanted the instant gratification of how many likes I had <laughs> on my post because it makes it because it, it reassures us in, in ways that human that are that have replaced instead of human connection. It's hit. So, it's it's a dopamine hit. It's a dopamine, it a dopamine hit. That's hit. why everybody's so addicted to it. But it's not making people happier. They're they're you know we're, this is part of the problem because we're going for that dopamine hit instead of a con- a connection to a human being. Yeah, you've seen this. Is it someone Sinex? Someone Sinex? Stephen Sinex? Some business leader says this. I was I was on a management training course. I know it's hard to believe that I'll ever be a manager of anyone, and if I am. They'll be on a quick road to drugs and alcohol. Yeah, but... yeah. May, may, may God have mercy on their souls. <laughs> I was actually on a management course. Even as their manager. manager. <laughs> and it, it was how to manage millennials. And it, but it talked about how uh, social media gives quick dopamine hits like alcohol gives quick dopamine hits. And someone was, someone, and the guy was, Sinex, someone was comparing alcohol, how it gives you dopamine to social media. And he says people get addicted yeah. to social media like they get addicted to alcohol. And, and they're not totally. forging real connections and relationships anymore. Yep, Simon Sinek, you're talking Simon about, Sinek. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Ooh, that name talk, does, that doesn't ring a bell. So so. Oh, so oh, Tim, you, you, you will love him. If okay, you, okay. I'll send you a call. Yeah, he's Perfect. he's very very sharp and quick. He he did that TED talk about uh, the power of why. Like you have to know your why. I think you know him. You just may not realize his last name or something. Oh, okay. Sure okay. So um, as we proceed uh, through, you know, kind of through our reviews of the book, I you know, an interesting tidbit that that Stephen has actually frequently fought back on me and doubted me on, but I've told this story. The first time I got the daily trading coach, I got it on Kindle and I highlighted passages and I actually, the Kindle app like shut me down and said, you can't highlight any more passages as I was like three fourths of the way through. So as I logged in to prepare for today, I logged into the Kindle app, which by the way, I didn't realize how slick the desktop app was. Now it's actually the desktop app is very, you can do like flashcards. It's, it's, it's pretty slick. So if you're a reader and you like, you know, check out the, it's free, obviously. But I nevertheless, I highlighted. I have a favorite, I have a, I have a favorite lesson from the book. Ooh, ooh. I really want to talk about. 
and I do too. And we're it's probably gonna be the same one. But um, so anyway, I highlighted 212 passages in the Daily Trading Coach, which I found kind of amusing. I joked about it on Twitter. Considering there's 101 lessons, I don't know what I was doing highlighting 212 things. And I was only like three quarters of the way through the book. But anyway, that was, that was my, my other random tidbit of information. So, Kim, what was That's your favorite lesson? Highlights. What was That's your favorite lesson? Let's, let's, let's see if we got lesson the Lesson number eight. Ooh, eight. Lesson okay. number eight was that we, that we all are operating under certain scripts of how we see ourselves and we've overlearned those scripts and that we learn early in life, like, Oh, well, the way I get my parents to pay attention to me is if I'm the troublemaker or if I'm, you know, constantly complaining, like that we each kind of adapt to a role and that that role becomes part of our identity when it isn't really our identity. And then we take that into our trading. You know, I'm always, I'm the guy, I'm the girl who always, you know, uh, gets close. What is it uh, in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Close, but 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 not there, right? So, like, if that becomes your story about yourself or whatever your story is, that you're going to take that and and keep repeating that uh, role. I'm looking at my notes here, and there was a word he used. He called it an enactment that will take these kind of roles we uh, grew up with where we were placed in our family, where we're the oldest child, then we're really responsible. If we're the youngest child, we're kind of spoiled, you know, all the, or the middle child he's ignored or she's ignored. And then you'll recreate these enactments over and over again in your trading. And, you know, you need to see, see that about yourself. What role are you playing now? I thought that was just a game changer for a trader to have that pointed out to them and in life. Cause it, cause it's going to keep you in a box and it, and it also keeps you, you know, that tall poppy syndrome concept that you don't want to kind of get a little bit bigger than the people around you. Cause you'll be, you, you won't be acceptable in the tribe anymore. If you, if you stand out in certain cultures or certain families and that kind of stuff. So that was my favorite. So it was really well said. Steven, you know, when you listened to the audiobook three and a half years ago, do you recall <laughs> <laughs> little little inside joke there, but in your in your preparation for today's <laughs> podcast, Stephen, three and a half years ago, do you re- do you distinctly recall a particular lesson that was your favorite? No, I, I wish I did, and and honestly, I, I didn't realize that we each had to recall a lesson. So I apologize to to the guys and the viewers. Well, that wasn't on the agenda, but you know, oops. It, it was just an assumption, though. But <laughs> no, off off the top of my head, no. I mean, but I'd, I'd comment on what. Kim just said about self-realization and um, it's not for me. It's like, it's not about who, what your personality is. I mean, it is like, I think trading is a reflection of your personality. Nervous people are nervous to pull the trigger on trades. Reckless people are reckless to short, big or go long. People in the middle are people in the middle. Cautious people learn for a year. People who are more impulsive trade straight away. Like it is a reflection of your character and personality of how you grew up, but it's more, what we talked about in the previously, it's like identifying why you're doing what you're doing. I think that's the biggest lesson of all. Why are you making the decision that you're making right now? And that's, that's just what I'd add. Mm-hmm. So I will, uh, I, I will actually wrap up with my favorite lesson 
and or reference. And just remember, as much as I give Stephen a hard time, we're going to enclose the quote unquote Easter egg or the archive of the original daily trading coach episode. And I have to hand it to Stephen. When we did that episode, he, he selected all of the snippets. So he did do the legwork back then as much as I give him a hard time today. But, um, so I want to point out my favorite lesson, which will, I feel like close the loop on today's conversation where we've got a little bit of, uh, 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 synchronicity. You know, this might be proof that the simulation exists. We start out with a random Fountainhead slash Howard Rourke reference, and I go to episode or, or lesson 28. Now, I am not necessarily saying this is my favorite, or I'm not saying this is the best lesson, but it was my favorite simply because lesson 28, I checked. I had seven highlights in one lesson. <laughs> so I got a little, I got a little aggressive on high. I probably should have just highlighted the whole thing. But I, what I want to do, I, I'm going to read you the passage if you're, if you're listening along and why I like it so much. Number one, I mean, I know it's, you're probably getting sick of hearing it, but obviously I'm a huge Howard Work, Ayn Rand, Fountainhead fanboy, but I love what he does here. What was so, so, you know, Howard Work was an architect, a free thinker. You know, he, you know, in the, in the Frank Sinatra mold, he did it his way. And what I like what Steenbarger did is he combined the idea of architecture and trading in this passage. So I will read it to you now. Most of all, Rourke, the trader, like the architect Rourke, would stand for something. He would have a view of markets and how and why markets move, just as he had a a view of design and building. It would be his view. In, in highlighted by the author. Not something borrowed slavishly from tradition or current fads. The odds are good that his view would be unconventional and would meet more than a little skepticism by the self-appointed appointed gurus of trading. That wouldn't matter. Rourke the trader would remain faithful to his framework when confronted with the choice of following the crowd versus act on his convictions. He wouldn't hesitate to do the right thing. Every, and then this is the summary, every great trader I have known has an outlook and set of methods that are distinctly his own. So that is my favorite passage from my favorite lesson. So That is a cool lesson. That is such a great metaphor that Howard Rourke, he would be the ultimate trader, that guy, for sure. He would be the ultimate trader. I think, you know, it's like, like, you know, if you, if you think of like, like the big short, you know, which is maybe, maybe the best recent, you know, the best recent, uh, trading movie. And I don't remember the character's name, but you know, the, the main character. Christopher Barry. Christopher yep. Barry. In, in real life, yeah, you know. I mean, barring, oh, yeah. you, you know, I could see, I mean, that's a Howard, Tor- Howard Rourke type character, you know. He's not wearing shoes. He He's cranking eye. death he metal, you know. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. He has the glass eye. He's he's just such an, uh, and he wears T-shirts and like board shorts every day. Yeah, I would, so, I would, I would just add, um, there's there's a thousand different indicators that a thousand different traders follow. There's a thousand different patterns. Um, I mean, I think there is not one unique way to trade. I think we're all learning from each other and then finding out what works for us. And that was one of the things I liked about this passage was the fact that, you know, 
you know, this is, it's very Randian to me because it's like, I hear Ayn writing this and being like, he would laugh at people that doubted his methods. You know, his methods would be unconventional. So yeah, so that, that, that's, I think, I mean, obviously you can tell, I'm, I'm guessing, I actually met up with Dr. Brett this weekend and I I should have asked him, but I have to believe he, he is probably an Ayn Rand fan simply by reading this glowing language. So, yeah. But uh, it, it's super true. You can't copy anyone else. And, and it just it reminds me of uh, when someone said, oh, you're finally making money now. Are you following Tim Sykes' methods? And I was like, it's not. It's not like that. That's not how it works. Tim Sykes doesn't say he has three patterns, do them over and over. It's more like he'll introduce you to a load of different styles, show you a load of market history from loads of different perspectives, and then you figure out what works for you. But it's not, it's not copying someone's style. It's... It's just being introduced to lots of different styles and then making your own. And that's how I interpret this as well. All right. So as I mentioned, thank you, and Kim. I, and thank I misspoke his name. It's Michael Burry. Michael Burry. Christian Bell. Christian yep. Bell played Michael Burry. So um, great book, too, by uh, Michael Lewis. Um, if you're, uh, you know, again, if you're a stock market dork like Kim, Stephen, and I are, Everything by Michael's, Michael Lewis is a must read in my opinion. You know, they're not like trading techniques, but like, like you go back to Liars Poker, one of the classics, you know, um, again, the big short, um, Flash Boys. Flash Boys is Flash a great one. Boys. Yep. Yep. So good. So, and Flash Boys, I read that book in like literally two sittings. I could not put it down. And that's yeah. why I asked Brad Katsuyama to be in my book because I found him right at the end of my, you know, trying to find good men and women of Wall Street. And he is such a heroic figure in that book. Right. And yeah, and, and, and I, for me, it really hit home being out, you know, if you remember, I had a, a, a computer networking biz, you know, so I'm a hardcore oh, that's nerd. Right. So I'm a hardcore nerd. So between being a, a, a networking nerd and then also a trading nerd, I mean, oh yeah, I, I don't know if I read it in two sittings, but I ate Flash Boys up for sure. So it was so good. So good. Steven, did you read Flash Boys? Jersey? Uh, guys, you guys know I don't read books. Did, did, did you like, read Liar's you Poker? You would love that book. You would love it. I don't like, I don't like books. <laughs> books. You would love these books. I promise books. you. you What's would a not book? Them down. They are riveting. They're riveting. I like, I don't how do, how like do you spell books. book? Is that like B-U-U-K? Like it's, I'm like, me mom, me mom is um, an avid, avid reader of all literature, Victorian literature. She teaches literature. Uh, she leads wow. classes and seminars on literature. Like, I'm sorry, mom. I'm just not like that. Like, I, just, like, I like drinking and I like gambling and, and I'll read books if the help is gamble better. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is why I read trading books because it helps us gamble better in an educated, probable way. Sure. Um, but nah, like I think, this his book, I think Michael Lewis would help you trade better because it, because it Dave gives Goggins. you an insight into things that very, you know, very few people are talking about them in a story form. Like he's telling us stuff, but he's doing it in such a riveting story form that it's applicable to real life. I, I, I found. Yeah. No, I mean, it, maybe I can read the book and we can, we can look at it, but I'm I'm going through David Goggins' book right now, and that's 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 enough right now. Don't don't stop what when do you you're like tired. Stop when you're what do you done. like about that? What, what do you like about it? Um, so far, it's how do I how do I put this in the way? 
and it's 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 basically the reason that I like it is that like any good psychologist or therapist or any good advertiser, he says things that are very relevant and true to life, but he says them in a way that make you say it in a new way. And then when you say it in a new way, you feel motivated or inspired. I'm still in the early beginnings, but just say stupid stuff like don't stop when you're tired, stop when you're done. And and I know it's very basic, but it's like never thought of it like that. I, well, and, and I'll I, tell you what, I I think, you know, and this is my opinion and my speculation, I think the reason you like it so much is is probably the same reason I liked it so much and the same reason so many people like it so much is, I mean, it's one thing to get a self-help book from some dude that grew up, oh, you know, he had an okay life, you know, maybe he got fired here and there, you know, he had, everybody has problems, okay, you know. I got 99 problems, but a blank ain't one, you know, but everybody's got problems. But Dave Goggins had freaking real problems and overcame them. And I think, and I mean, you can agree or disagree, yeah. but you read his stories and it's like, whoa, man, I believe self-help stuff from this guy, you know. Yeah, yeah no, and, it, yeah. and it's like, and it's the same with uh, Tony Robbins when Tony Robbins was like, when the when the guy came around with uh, chicken on Thanksgiving or Christmas, he, he had to, his dad made a decision and said, "I'm broke. I can't I can't pay for my family. I'm a loser." And he ran away. And and Tony Robbins was like, "Well, what do what does this mean for me? Does this mean I'm a loser? Or should I take the positive wins to strangers care, and then I want to make other people care, and then I want to feed other families like this strangers fed me." And and I, and I think it's the same as Goggins. Goggins like had, got dealt a shit card, and he's like, "Which which way do I internalize this, and how do I react?" And he's like, "I'm going to react in in the best way possible." He could have gone bad, or he could have gone good, and he went good. And I, for me, it's just a reminder that no matter what happens to you, you can always take the best out of it. It's an inspiring reminder of that. Well said. Well That's said. Awesome. I, All right, I, I have I, to look at the book. Yeah, I can't buy that. I mean. Yeah. What happened to him? Just um, years of child abuse. Um, grew up in a terrible environment. Dad was like a mobster. Beat his mom. Beat the kids. Um, I mean, his then then he escapes. You know, and not to ruin. Spoiler alert! Yeah, don't, don't tell us. I'm going to take my headphones off. Yeah. But anyway, you know, like like he escapes with his mom, and then his dad, his stepdad gets like shot in the garage. I mean, it just never ever ends for him, and he overcomes. So I, w- I won't ruin anymore. So, um, as mentioned, thank you everyone. Definitely check out the Daily Trading Coach. Um, I know I said it probably twice, but if there's one buy this one and thank you to Kim and Steven and we're going to follow up with that recap of the episode I think I'm guessing I guess I could google it but probably about a year and a half ago where we took some snippets from the book and Steven and I broke it down episode 30 episode 30 episode 30 thank you thank you Kim so um and then that being said um once you get done definitely hit the uh, hit hit steadytrade.com or hit the description on YouTube and hopefully you know, you'll get this in time to read the next, I don't remember what next month's book is, but it will be in the description and you can follow along. So thanks a lot, everyone. And check out episode 30 of the Steady Trade Podcast. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to go over a, a very common question. It's a, it's a great question, first of all, but a very common question. 
I actually did a webinar uh, today for um, it, it kind of filled in for, for Tim Sykes today and got this question 20 minutes ago, this exact question. And a lot of, you know, traders, you, you need to be focused on self-improvement. You're never done. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much money you made. You're never done. You never beat the market. You never master the market. You need to have that personal growth mindset. Um, I talk about it a lot. I steal it from Jocko Willink. You know, he, he says it all the time. His goal is to get stronger, faster, smarter every day. And you need to have that same mindset as a, as a trader particularly because everything's always changing. What we're talking about today was different than two months ago and will be different from two months from now. And so that question is, what books do you recommend? Um, there's a bunch of them. I've read whew, probably, eh, probably hundreds, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe over a hundred, maybe not quite 200, but I've read a lot of trading books and it takes time. It's time consuming. Some of these I'm looking at them on my shelf right now or they're thick, some of them are 400, 500 pages. But one of the great things about the book that I always recommend and I always start with is The Daily Trading Coach by Brett Steenbarger. The biggest reason I like it is, is even if you aren't, say, an avid reader, um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, I know in this day and age in 2018, books are, you know, kind of old. Everybody's reading Facebook status and Twitter status and stuff like that. And they want quick, quick, quick. But the great thing about Daily Trading Coach by Brett Steenbarger is it's roughly a 300-page book, but it's broke down into 101 lessons, and he's designed it to basically be that, for lack of a better term, the daily devotional. So um, instead of reading your, your little piece of scripture for the day, you read your three-page trading lesson in the book. And what's nice about it is each little snippet is – five minutes and, and, and he designs it to basically read one a day and you've got 101 lessons. And I fell out of the habit a little bit, but for a while I was just had it on loop in essence, because each day you're getting ready to trade. You can read a chapter in three to five minutes. It's a great lesson. I mean, they're all good. And then you can just go on about your day. So I've read it a couple times. You know, I jump back through flip around but part of today's episode is we decided to have Stephen read it to kind of come from a, you know, a new perspective to the book. And he's picked out a few snippets, and then that's kind of what we're going to talk about. But um, we're going to kind of give our input, what we think about. But I say we'll close the episode with this, but by the Daily Trading Coach. Okay, so um, I'm just putting my glasses on and uh... – those are nice looking glasses, by the way. So, you know, I, I, I used to just think you were kind of ugly, but I mean, with glasses, it gets women, worse. It gets women worse. love me in these glasses. <laughs> women are like, Stephen, you handsome devil. How many? Is that really you? How, how really many, you? how many blind women are there in Dubai? Not, not many. There's not many, but. They honestly, they're like, Stephen, you, they say, what's the secret of happiness? And I say, for me, it's, it's being good looking. <laughs> That's the secret of happiness. And, and all the good looking people, they're just at home being happy because they're dead good looking. So they don't even need to go out. But, uh, I don't know where that come from. But, uh, we're not reading the book, are we? Cause that would be a, that would be a 10 hour 
That would be a ten hour. Um, that would be a ten to twenty hour. Well, and I wouldn't. Goal. I wouldn't. Ex- I wouldn't expect you to have the personal discipline to actually sit down and read an entire book. So uh, you'd be falling asleep. <laughs> you'd be nothing. You'd be nothing of old age. You'd be like, I, I can read it well. I can read it with character and zest, but um, I, I don't think you'd be able to keep up. But my zesty reading, <laughs> it's bloody magical. But um, not to talk about my handsome looks and glasses, all my zesty reading. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is the daily trading course, coach, coach. And um, yeah, so there's there's a few really solid topics that I've picked out. The structure is... For you guys listening on the other end of that uh, computer-matic machine, is um, there's, there's different sections. There's like, should you give up as a trader? Should you give up? Is it not for you or is it for you? Uh, how do you deal with performance anxiety uh, when you're taking those trades for the first time? Uh, how do you learn the importance of rules and, and keep into them? And, uh, and how do you develop an edge? And we've structured this in a way so... Um, the Brett Steinberger will introduce it. Uh, I'll give my feedback. Tim will say something irrelevant, and then we'll, we'll get the right answer. <laughs> and generally, this structure will just repeat itself through through each of the <laughs> through each of the sections. Uh, and if you want to just mute straight after me, then just mute straight after me. You'll you'll miss what Tim says, but it, it will not be relevant anyway. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, I like it. Let's go. No, Let's go. Let's I'm hear the first sorry. clip. I, I got offended. I got offended, Tim. You offended us. No, I'm a dick. I'm sorry, I'm not a dick. Play the first clip. One of the most difficult manifestations of distress that traders face is despair. I've seen it happen to the best of traders. You work hard, you feel as though you're on the brink of a positive breakthrough, and then you take several steps backward. It feels as though you're getting nowhere. You're tired of being wrong, tired of losing money. That excitement that used to greet the start of the market day is replaced with dread. It's difficult to sustain the research and the morning routines of preparation. If your body could talk, its posture would say, what's the use? You're ready to hang it up. Let's face it. For many, there is a time to give up trading. I know quite a few traders who have been at it for years and have never developed the skills, and perhaps who never had the talent, to simply reach a point of competence where they cover their costs. If you are meant to do something, something that speaks to your talents, skills, and interests, you will display a significant learning curve in the first year or two of effort. If such a learning curve is not apparent, it's probably not your calling. Hang it up and pursue something that genuinely captures your distinctive abilities. So I think this is a a great point, and um, it's something that really doesn't get discussed much is... One of, one of, one of the bad parts about day trading, and I think we've talked about this a few episodes is, is the lack of barriers to entry. I mean, you don't need a license. You don't need an education. You don't have to pass a test. Basically, you just need a laptop, a little, a little bit of seed capital, and you can start trading day one. So I think that there is a very common misconception. It's, and it isn't talked about a lot. The trading just isn't for everybody. Um, it's attractive because of the freedom. It's it's attractive because of the action. There's always a new stock. I mean, I mean, today we had three interesting stocks that Stephen and I were talking about the podcast. There's always something new, but it is not for everyone. And if you, as Brett mentions, there's going to be a steep learning curve. It's going to be frustrating. 
But if you've put in that time and you've really put in the time, now I do want to put the asterisk on that. If you, and, and, and we've talked to some listeners that, you know, it, it, and I've talked to some, some people that have, I mean, it's clear they're half-assing it. And if they're a year and a half in and they're half-assing it, well, that's a different story. But if you've truly committed, you've showed up every day or every day you can that your work or your family permits, you've studied, you've documented everything, you've kept your spreadsheets, you've done all this work, and you're one to two years in and it isn't clicking, then it may not be for you. Just because everyone can buy a laptop and drop a couple grand in a trading account does not mean it is for everyone. Yeah, for, for me, it's it's a real it's a really tough it's a tough thing because obviously for for a lot of um, I guess a lot of the marketing and the advertising is kind of like never don't give up and don't give up and follow your dream and chase your Which dream. Which is and true. A lot of this, yep. and it comes from it comes from everywhere, uh, and it's hard to distinguish when you should listen to that and when you should think actually this is not for me. And yeah, the the best. And, it, and it's tough and everyone has moments where they think, I just want to quit. Uh, and you've just, what you've, uh, for me, it always comes to tracking a, a winning percentage as a, at least a basic barometer. Like if you win in 20% of your trades in the first six months of, of trading and then you win in 40% in your next six months and then 50% in the six months after that, or if you're having green weeks here and there, you never have, you're, you're always having red weeks for the first six months. And then you start having green weeks here and there in the next six months, and then you have more consistent green weeks. Then that's the progress that you should be looking for. And yeah, and I think that's that's a great point, and we've talked about it before. Um, that that idea, especially if you're new, the having realistic expectations and having growth based expectations. Because I mean, hey, Roland Wolf. Go back to the episode. I mean, he turned 4,000 into half a million in under a year. It can be done, but he is an extreme outlier. So if you're in his shoes, your goal is green trades, green weeks, green months, learning, improving, and tracking because the odds of you turning 4,000 into 500,000 in a year is extremely remote. It can be done, but you would have to be part of an infinitesimal small percentage, but can you get there after a year, two years, three years and, and get to the point where you're doing something that you love, that you look forward to every day? Yes. But be focused on green trades, green weeks and, you know, learning new things, growing, evolving. Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll just say on this topic before we'll get Brett's answer is, from, from, from my perspective, it's always, it's gone, I've gone through three phases of learning. The first phase is you just lose all the time and you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> the second phase is you know, you can make money and you do make money, but you've got some major flaws in your trading strategy and you've got some, and you're a bit of a wild gunslinger, but you can make money. And then the third phase is uh, you start ironing out those big uh, flaws and learning how to properly trade. And, and, and these are the three phases for me. Yeah, and I think be very cautious. This is the last point. Um, what I see quite frequently with talking with traders, mentoring traders is your phase two that you explained. Um, yeah. so many traders fall trapped to the Dunning Kruger effect. Um, yeah. you can Google it, but basically the idea is that you get a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of success, and you then 
proceed to think you are the next Roland Wolf, and that can be a very dangerous point in your trading career. Basically, the Dunning-Kruger is is that people have an illusionary superiority. They think two months in, they got a little bit of green. They think they're, quote-unquote, the man, and that is a very dangerous spot, you know, Understand it's a journey. Understand it takes time, and, and and understand it's a grind. Cool. Let's see. It. What does Brett say? If you feel discouraged about your recent trading, your first priority is to identify what that feeling is telling you, so that you can take appropriate action. If market trends, themes, or volatility have shifted, altering the profitability of your trading setups and ideas, then your action should be a reduction in your risk taking while you see which patterns, markets, and ideas are working, so that you can focus efforts on those. You also want to review your most recent trading performance to see if you can identify markets and patterns that have continued to work for you, even as others have shifted. Reduce your risk, reassess your trading, and you preserve your capital and turn discouragement into opportunity. So I love that. And we actually, I don't remember which, uh, I think it was, well, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, depending on when this episode airs, but we had a specific episode talking exactly what Brett just said there. I love the fact that he said, if you're banging your head against the wall, if you're struggling, first thing you do is reduce that risk, reduce that size. Doesn't mean you quit trading, but if you're struggling, 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 if you're trading 1,000-share lots, you start trading 100-share lots until you either develop a different edge or the market shifts again. You know, we talked about February. low price stocks have not been the best, long or short. So what do you do? You still show up. You still do the routine, but you way bring that size down. Yeah, but it's really weird, though, because when, when you haven't gone through that from before, when you haven't experienced the market shift before, and when you've been doing well, and then the market shifts, it's hard to realize that it shift the first time. It should be easy. It should be easy, but it's not. You don't see it coming. Yeah, and and that's a you know that's an experience thing. You know, it's it's like especially I, I talk about this all the time. It's like last couple of years. I mean, it's like every month I would say this is the craziest month in low price stocks I've ever seen, and then the next month would come and I'd be like, this is the craziest month in low price stocks I've ever seen. So somebody like you. You came into trading in the middle of that bananas phase. So I yeah. think it is, it is, it's, it's difficult for you to recognize because it's like you, you've never been here before. How do you, how do you recognize something that you've never seen before? So yeah, no, but I think June, maybe not this August not was, June, August yeah. was, August yeah. was dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About 15, 16, 17 months ago, the market that I walked into was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like 200% winners, 160% winners, uh, HMNY going from two to 18, dries going from seven to 120 and stuff like that. It was just insane. And then to go through such a dry period now, like when we saw two or three plays, when we saw, um, oh, I can't remember the ticker, the Bitcoin, well, it wasn't a Bitcoin related stock. It was a, but it was a currency related stock. NXTD? Today. Today. Yeah, when NXTD went went 80%, I was like, wow, it's back. And it's funny because, you know, you you talk about those previous times when we'd have five or six of those stocks, and it's like everyone was talking about NXTD today because they're like, hey, finally. (laughs) No, but I mean, so 
what I liked about that was it's kind of when do you know, when do you get discouraged to the point from losses that you should quit? And when do you get discouraged to the point where you should actually take action and, and scale back your trading? And I guess the answer is if, if you're making the same mistakes for two straight years, a year and a half, two straight years with no, with no improvement, then you should probably quit. Uh, if you are making improvements, uh, but you've fallen into bad habits here and there, then just take notes, scale back. And number one, and I know we, you know, I always joke about the, the, the title of the podcast is Steady Trade, but it just so much of it goes back to tracking. I mean, I know guys that have struggled for years and you'd be like, okay, you know, what do you trade? Well, you know, this yeah. and that. And it's like, okay, you don't even know what your, you know, everybody, and we get comments, we get questions, you know, what's the setup? What's the setup? And, you know, a lot of people, that are struggling, you ask them, you're like, Hey, what do you trade? And they're like, I don't, you know, I, I look for stocks yeah, that man. are moving and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, cause yeah, like the, there was a really, it, uh, there was a nice show today, uh, which we we're just discussing earlier as well. I forgot the ticker of it, but NIHD, NIHD. But the thing with that is it's like, ah, oh, normally I trade over extended gap downs and this is gapping up, but it's only, it's only a small variation. You're like, Oh, I'll just change the pattern a little bit, but you can't just, trade randomly anything but uh the next the next uh topic in the book it talks about something a bit more basic a bit something that kind of beginner traders uh, deal with more and that's kind of uh how to deal with performance anxiety now i think you get it sometimes when you when you're in the gym or when you're playing the guitar well, I, that that kind of wasn't what I was thinking of. I, I know you're I know you're a single guy, and you know, and you date a lot. I was I was thinking something different. I, I was thinking maybe maybe you were gonna gonna uh, show me your prescription to the little blue pill or something. So oh, I'm a I'm a loaded gun ready to burst, and it goes off in seconds. I am I am I am firing immediately. Um, I'm a nightmare for performance anxiety, and I'm I'm happy to tell it. And if there's any other men with similar problems, that is on Facebook. We can start a performance anxiety. <laughs> You're in it, of course, club. And so on that topic, let's, uh, let's roll into it. Performance anxiety occurs anytime our thinking about a performance interferes with the act of performing. If we worry too much while taking a test, we can go blank and forget the material we've studied. If we try too hard to make a foul shot at the end of a basketball game, we can toss a brick and lose the game. The attention that we devote to the outcome of the performance takes away from our focus on the process of performing. This is a common problem among traders, probably the most common one that I encounter in my work at proprietary trading firms and hedge funds. Sometimes the performance anxiety occurs when a trader is doing well and now tries to take more risk by trading larger positions. Other times, traders enter a slump and become so concerned about losing that they fail to take good trades. Yes, I mean, I remember with when I first started trading, and we've talked about this before, uh, you've got such anxiety that um, your heart's beating through your chest, your fingers are sweating, palms are sweaty, knee, knees, weep, arms are heavy, there's vomit on your mother's spaghetti. Uh, all that stuff from that Eminem song, 8 Mile. It's pretty terrifying when you make your first trade in it. Uh, even your first months of trading are terrifying. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the, mainly because, now it doesn't need to be terrifying, but there are so many things that make it terrifying. Number one oh, is always the biggest one. So many traders go in with too much size. They start out with like max buying power, man, you know, leveraged up because they want to make a thousand bucks today. But the biggest thing that I think that, that induces anxiety and, and you 
probably most listeners probably know what's coming is that lack of a plan. If you go into a trade and you don't know your stop, you don't know your goal, you know, what happens if it comes to the end of the day, the stock's still sideways and you won't know these things day one. But if you're not doing that, I, I, it's basically an if then statement to use programming terms, but you got to think about it that way. If this happens, what happens? If this happens, what happens? If this stock, you know, assuming we're buying a stock in this scenario, if it drops on negative news midday, what do I do? And that is that fear of the unknown is what creates that anxiety. Now you're not, I mean, how do I write a trading plan day one? You're, you're probably not going to be able to, but the biggest thing you get, you biggest thing you do, don't, go too big a size starting out. You know, there, there's, you're, you're not as, as a new trader, your goal is not to get rich today. That is not your goal. Your goal is to learn and your goal is to take profits whenever you see them. So does that mean you buy 10 shares and you make $10 and your commissions completely erase your profit, but you recognize something you got a little bit better. That is your goal and size and have a plan will massively reduce your anxiety. But in the end, a lot of it's just experience. You know, you've, you've got to, you've got to be there in the trenches to get that confidence. Yeah, no, I, I think it's weird because I don't remember the time. Like honestly, when I was first started trading, it was worse than going on a date sober. Like it was worse than being on a first date sober. It was that terrifying pressing the buy or the sell button. And I think it's for, for someone who's newer at trading, it's because you're so desperate to be right. And you're so desperate not to be well, wrong. Very, very, very good point. You know that I'll let you finish, but that is a, you know, everybody crazy. Everybody wants to be right a hundred percent of the time. And, you know, good, great point. Continue. But. Yeah, and and your 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 last trade doesn't determine your your success for the rest of your life or not. So just make your plan, <laughs> do it, and then find out if you're right or not. And if you're wrong this tomorrow, <laughs> just don't knock out your loss because then there might not be. Yeah, that that uh, that that the great point. I'll just finish on before we start the or hear what Brett has to say. But yeah, you need. And I talk about this every day in Sack Straight Pro. If, if you aren't okay with being wrong, you know, it, we, we, the previous clip when we talk about quitting trading, if you aren't okay with being wrong on a regular basis, day trading is not for you. You, you need to be okay. Like if you're, if just like if you're a baseball player and you expect to get a hit every time up to the plate, good luck. I, I mean, but like, you can be like, you can hope that you're not going to be wrong. You can be like, sure. oh, I hope I'm, I hope I'm not wrong. But then you look at the chart and you're like, ah, oh, I think I'm wrong. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm going to be wrong here. And then you have to just cut it. Easier said than done sometimes, but sure. I'm, you're better at it than me. What does Brett say? <laughs> A common mistake that traders make is to try to replace catastrophic negative thoughts with positive ones. They try repeating affirmations that they will make money and they keep talking themselves into positive expectations. What happens, however, is that they are still allowing a focus on the outcome of performance to interfere with performing itself. The expert performer does not think positively or negatively about a performance as it's occurring. Rather, he is wholly absorbed in the act of performing. 
does a skilled stage actress focus on the reaction of the audience or the next day comments of reviewers? Does an expert surgeon become absorbed in thoughts of the success or failure of the procedure? No. What makes them elite performers is that their full concentration is devoted to the execution of their skills. Well, as usual, Brett put it much, much, much more eloquently than I did, but I, I love his performance metaphor. But I kind of like to kind of back up what I said is, you know, as he mentioned, the surgeon, the actor, they're not looking at the crowd. They're not looking at anything else that's going on. They're solely focused on their idea. And and that's where the plan comes in. Because if that's all you're dialed in on, the emotion more or less goes away. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's definitely – I mean, for me, that's that was a really uh, – insightful moment for me and that's why I wanted to put it in there because I remember when I've took some losses sometimes I've just stopped out when it's got too painful but because I was like oh I can't lose this much but if you just think this is me stop it's going to hit me stop this is me stop if it hits me stop I've got to get out if this hits me stop I've got to get out right it's hit me stop I have to get out and then you get out maybe this is a good technique that uh, works focusing on the process instead of the result so for me it's something I'm going to look into a bit more uh, the the next section uh, is a little bit more uh, kind of the link together. Uh, it's a little bit about rules, how you create rules, and and how you stick to them. So I'll let uh, I'll let Brett introduce this. It's like we're friends, but we're not friends. Thinking positively or negatively about performance outcomes will interfere with the process of performing. When you focus on the doing, the outcomes take care of themselves. We see such dynamics at work when traders are learning to control losses. Instead of exiting trades when the pain of loss is too great, a pattern that comes all too naturally, a trader will create a rule-based stop-loss level. The rule may be accompanied by other thoughts that emphasize the importance of the rule, the losses that will follow from not following the rule, and the benefits of adhering to the rule. In such an instance, traders choose to refuse to do what they feel like doing at the moment. Rather, they seek to be rule-governed. That is what keeps us driving on the proper side of the road, even when we're in a rush. Rules are checks on our impulses. They keep us doing the right things, even when we're not inclined to act in our own best interests or the interests of others. Great, great, great point. I, you know, and, and he started out with talking about the max pain point. Um, especially, uh, you know, you should always, always, always have a max pain point. You know, you know, the ultimate stop loss if a trade just goes completely bad. I mean, we trade volatile stocks. These stocks can get halted. News can come out, good or bad. And sometimes it just moves too fast for you to react. But those should be isolated situations. If you were hitting that max pain point where you're just like, I can't take it anymore, you need to focus on rules. That That is the biggest thing. I did a webinar this morning and, and a couple people were holding, uh, a couple stocks, DCAR, which is, which is oh, God, way so down. It, it, it was in play a couple weeks ago. It's terrible. Another guy's still holding Kodak, you know, Kodak spiked that, on some yeah, blockchain news. And, and it's like, it, it, that is one of the biggest things you need to eliminate. If you're routinely hitting that max pain point when it is, it is not, you know, a black swan type event. Now, if you take a crippling loss because of, you know, again, news comes out, 
So you're, you're long a stock and there's fraud allegations or something like that. And the stock drops 30% in minutes. You can't get out. That happens. But if that is not a, a like couple times a year situation, you need to massively change your, and, and it put some rules in place. Thing is though, like, I kind of get that and I get that and it makes us feel good when you share these stories of other people that are worse than I am. So I don't feel as bad. <laughs> I'm not well, hey, I've been there that. too. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I we, we've all bad. been there. I mean, I've, I've bag held stocks plenty of times, um, for, you know, weeks, months. And sometimes really? you get the problem with bag holding is long or short. Sometimes you get saved, you know, so sometimes you hold for months and weeks and the stock Gets you back to break even, but the, but the amount of the amount of it's pain, not worth it. It's, it's not, not worth, it. worth it. It's not worth it. You were saying on a stocks to trade pro uh, session uh, before the the long weekend on President's Day. I remember you were saying you're like, look, the damage that it will do to your psyche. You're just gonna go in and trade on Tuesday, and you're gonna be like seventy percent of what you would be normally. And and I was thinking it's dead true. I was like, do not go through the unnecessary pain. And I, you know, it's it's funny because. One of the best feelings, <laughs> you know, obviously a big profit is always number one, but you know, it, it's funny how good it feels to ditch a bag, you know, something, whether it be, yes. whether it be hours, you know, if you, if you, if you shorted this thing at 9 a.m. and it's 3 p.m. and you're still down or days or weeks, it is, it is odd. <laughs> I know because you've already absorbed the loss. The loss yeah. you've already accepted it a long time ago. You're just like, thank God that's over. Uh, but but no, it, it's ridiculous to hold stocks. I mean, even just this over the weekend, I held AKER only because I was up on it. I was I was up about six percent on AKER short over the weekend, first red day, and then it squeezed on us today. And like, and even though I, I finished the day up 150 bucks or something, I'm just like, it feels like a loss. Because I held it over the weekend and then I lost on the trade. And I'm just like, even though I won overall on the day, it just sucks. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yep, why did yep. I think of that stock on my mind over and over and over? And yeah, that's, that's a, that's something I talk about, you know, basically every Friday and stocks to trade pro is like, Makes I mean, pissed off. yeah. <laughs> One of the things we love about trading is, is agility, being able to go to cash. I mean, why make, you know, the biggest thing we love about trading is the freedom. Why chain yourself to your trading station in a non-ideal setup? Why spend all weekend thinking about what's this sketchy penny stock going to do on Monday? You could, if it works, you can always re-enter. You know, that, that's yeah, something so. I know, okay. I know, I know you, I don't need to get mad at this. I, you do say sometimes if you're up enough on it, and I was up like 5%, 6%, if you're up enough on it, then hold it. And I was like, I'm up enough on it. But yeah, it was to save a stupid day trade. Oh, okay. Which, again, it's going to happen to you. But, yeah. but never ever, you know, so many guys struggle with turning day trades into swing trades. You know, if nah, you went, if, that, no. if you went into it with the expectation that you would be in and out, those are the worst holds. Yeah, 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 no, no, I totally agree. No, I thought ah, this looks like it could gap down and wash the other day. Like your setup sometimes when you short the the lower highs on an overextended stock and you go for the washout the next day. But uh, but the thing is, though, fair enough, you can break rules. But how do you? How, what would you say? What's your best advice to to stick to rules? How do you stick to rules? Do you just it's, lose enough it's, time to <laughs> realize you have to? <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> I, I wish I had a better answer, but it's like, that's, that's just, it's, it's like burn, you know, I've used that burning your hand on the stove analogy plenty of times. I mean, if you've never burnt your hand on something hot, it's like, you just kind of have to do it. That's why, but that's why you trade small in the beginning. That's why you take all these, you know, that's why you focus on the process, as Brett said, not getting rich today, but I wish I had a better solution. But at I hope, some I hope point, Brett's got a better solution. I was, I was going to be effed. At some better solution, I was stuck. <laughs> at some point, you got to just be like, I'm sick of fucking breaking my rules. I'm going to stick to them. So let's hear what Brett says. But you still break them though, every now and then. Every day, yeah. <laughs> the key to successful rule creation is the recognition that rules are more than thoughts that go into your head. A good rule also comes with feelings attached, an awareness of both the consequences of violating the rule and the benefits of following it. What keeps a diabetic person faithful to a diet or an eager child patiently waiting her turn to answer a question in class? It's not just the thought of the rule, but also the immediate sense of what would happen if the rule were violated. When people think, I can get away with it, the rule loses its force. It's merely a set of empty words and good intentions. This, then, is the secret to formulating trading rules, whether they relate to entries, exit, position sizing, stop losses, diversification, or idea generation. Whenever you write down the rule or mentally rehearse it, make sure that you are emotionally connected to that rule. Great, 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 great point. And, and I kind of, I think it kind of segues a little bit into what I said is, you know, when he talked about the emotion and I talked about the hand burning on the stove, I mean, obviously you're not going to, well, typically you won't endure physical pain in trading. Trust me, I've punched my desk many times and I've kicked things many times. So I, I have endured physical pain at times, but the, my, my stove burning analogy was poor because it's physical pain trading. It's emotional pain. It's, it, it, and that, I think he did much better job of putting it in that there should be some feeling behind this rule. And as I mentioned, the only way to know what it feels like to be, to break your rules, to be in a shitty trade, unfortunately, you just kind of have to feel it. You know, you got to be there. Yeah. I mean, for me, a lot of the time for me, and it's, I guess it's a problem that I've got is you'll have all of these good intentions at 9.29 and then 9.30 when the bell goes and the stock start moving. You're like, oh, I'm going to attack this. I'm going to attack this. I'm going to jump at this. And it's how do you calm yourself down and keep a rational head? I mean, I, I don't know. Do you have any tips of wisdom for that? Back, back. We'll, we'll kind of wrap this episode up here. So number one, great job picking out a bunch of clips, Stephen, from the book. Um, but we can, we will – I mean, we could probably do 100 episodes – on, on, we could probably do 101, 101. episodes on Stephen's book or on, on Stephen's <laughs> book, on, on Brett's book. But, uh, so we're going to wrap up here, but I will answer that question. We are going to do a follow up episode because, um, there, there's too much content in this book to, to get through in one episode. So we'll wrap it up here, but, um, it's, it, it might be a little repetitive, but I will answer your question. You got to put in the reps. You got to show up every day. Control your size, document, document, document. I, you know, when I talk about this every day in STT Pro, I mean, I have thousands of notes in Evernote. I don't care if you use a paper notebook. I don't care if you use a spreadsheet. I don't care if you use Evernote. I don't care if you use uh, 
whatever, note cards, whatever, document, 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 use small size in the beginning. And as Brett says, focus on the process. Yeah. I, I would just say if, from my experience and I'm no and yeah, perfect, but you just learn by getting bent so many times. Like I, I can even just think I like, I got squeezed on AQ, AQMS about a week and a half ago. And then when AKAR started squeezing the day, I was like, I ah, don't give a shit. Yep. I'm getting out at any cost. I, I'm not waiting for a pullback even. I'm not even waiting for a pullback. I'm getting and, out and, at any cost. And back to Brett's point, you know, you had to be stuck in that. You know, we can talk about don't get squeezed, don't get squeezed. You know, you can read books, don't get you know, but when, you, you just have to, have to, you have to, you have to, you have to squeezed. attach that emotion, <laughs> like Brett said. Yeah. Yeah. And I was proud. I lost money on that trip, but I was proud of myself. I was like, yes, thank God. I don't know where AKA is now, but I don't care anymore. I don't care. Because another day it would have gone to the moon. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast. It's me, Stephen Johnson, Jeevan Stonson. Uh, there's a man over there called Tim Bowen. I don't know if you'd like to say a little bit of a hello there. Hello there. Hey, man, how's it going? Uh, it's, it, was, was, that, was that your lame Midwestern? <laughs> you know, I, I know I like, to, I, I like to make fun of you for being... You know, foreign, whatever country you you come right. from, I can't remember where. But was it was that your was that your midwestern midwestern mocking impersonation right there? Five nine to five, five nine to five, baby. <laughs> uh, we've got a, a pretty pretty epic show for you today. Uh, there's a couple of things to talk about. First off, the market is picking up a little bit more. Second off, uh, we're reviewing the second uh, half, the the kind of the climax if you will, uh, of Brett Steenberger's 101 Lessons to Becoming Your Own Trading Coach, uh, which there's some very cool points and some very cool tips. And then we have a very, very beautiful rendition of a song that I've never heard of because I'm too young, but Tim will know it. And uh, it's it's beautiful. I think Tim was shedding tears earlier. He, he thought it was uh, very touching. You know, it's funny. I grew up. Listening, you know, Kenny Rogers was was very very hot in you know in country music in the early or mid mid to late seventies, early eighties, which was you know a time I was growing up. My parents were country music fans, so yes, I did. I, I think I did actually shed a tear during this this fan submitted audio. I thought it was great stuff. I, I was shedding tears because it was so painful on me. Yes, no, bless her. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. It was good. It was good. But uh, Tim, how's your trading been going? It's it's the market's been slow, but it's picking up. It's yeah, picking yeah. Up. You know, primarily focused on uh, you know you know more what I call swing, and you know I, I always do the air quotes because a lot of these stocks are still somewhat sketchy. But what I call like real stocks, um, there's always a trade somewhere to 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 take the uh, quote from Jim Cramer. But you know. Low price stocks been a little slow, but we've kind of seen them kind of warm up a little bit. And, uh, you know, we're not back to the point of, of 2017 where we had five runners a day, but we're starting to get a little more action lately. No, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I don't want to go too, too much into specifics, but, uh, NIHD, AKAR, uh, a few of these stocks and, the reason that I love the podcast and the fact that I've actually, I actually learned things from it, believe it or not, I, I'm not just an innocent bystander. The interview that we had on with Phil, when Phil was saying he took paper cuts on the way up, little paper cuts, and he caught the move on the way back down. I did that with AKR and NIHD, 
taking very small losses on the way up and shortening on the way down and holding it when I felt like I'd hit the top. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, and, and that's why one of the reasons, uh, you know, I, we love short selling, both of us. I mean, I was primarily, primarily short seller for 70% of my career. Now, haven't been as aggressive the last couple of years. Kind of feels like it might be coming back, though. I mean, we've seen a lot of spikes and fails lately, which is great for shorting. But the biggest reason so many new short sellers fail is they're not willing to do exactly what you said. They're not willing to lose a couple hundred, lose a couple hundred, lose a couple hundred to make, you know, two grand or whatever that number is on the backside because they want to, you know, They'll see some stock up a ridiculous amount. They'll look at the news, look sketchy, all these things, and they grab on and they latch on, and they're not willing to take those paper cuts, like you said. No, I mean, there was a guy on Instagram the other day, and he was saying, oh, what do you think of ECYT or ECYD? Saying, oh, it looks like a nice show, but be careful. Get ready to cut it. And he's like, oh, it must be near its top now. Do you not just think you want to short it and just swing it? I was like, no. That is the stupidest, worst thing you can ever do. Never, never think, oh, it's near the top. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna swing this one short because you don't know how high it can go. And sure enough, I mean, that stock is sketchy, sketchy, sketchy. You know, had an offering. I mean, yes, it's dead meat, but as of earlier today, over the weekend, I mean, it gapped up like five or six percent. You know, I mean, that's, if, if, if you want to, hate your life, yes, you can hold and try and swing these short. But the best thing to do is if you take them and they gap up, you take that paper cut, you come back the next day, you take that paper cut because ultimately you can get that huge crash if you are willing to wait and wait for that quote-unquote backside. Yeah, and, and there's just one other thing I wanted to maybe bring up before we go back into the book, and that's, uh, the interview with uh, Matty Owens, Triforce Trader, another brilliant piece of advice that he gave was, um, I think actually it was quoted in this book as well, uh, the Brett Steinberger book, is like your edge can kind of come and go at any time. Uh, so you don't want to be trading too big where you can't afford the loss if it comes. I mean, you should be trading at a reasonable level so uh, at a steady amount that you can afford. So if you do go through a bad patch, you're not going to blow up your account. Uh, you want to have like consistent, nice little wins, maybe 150, 200 bucks. But if you, you, you need to be at the right position size. So if you do have some losses, you can weather this storm if you have a bad run. Yeah. And we've, I think we talked about this in the, during the slow market blues episode, but you know, the, so many, so many times new traders do the exact opposite of what you should do. They get it, they get in a slump and what do they do? They add size. Because they're like, oh, I've got three red trades. I want to make it all up in one. And you should be doing the exact opposite. Just like Matt talked about, just like, you know, you talk about taking those small losses. When you're, when you're in a rough patch, which they're going to come, you need to come. They're always, yep. It's always just, you know, it could be the next tomorrow. It could be today, but you should be scaling back your size till you get your mojo back. So. But uh, yeah, because a lot of what I used to do is average up or average down. And now I think instead of going in at one position and averaging up, why don't I just make me initial entry where I would have averaged up and not average up at all? And then mm-hmm. you just end up with a better entry or you miss the trade. But if you miss the trade, you don't lose anything. See, and that's, again, a great, great tip. N- nice job. You know, so many, and I, I kind of keep repeating myself, but, but the crux of being the early short seller is you 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 need to, I call it letting the trade come to you. 
So if this stock has gone from a dollar to a dollar fifty, it's up fifty percent, but you see resistance at two, why would you want to jump in there at a buck fifty? You know, because all you're doing is open yourself up to another fifty percent downside before the stock cracks. If you can be patient, if you could say, look, I see resistance at two, and I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna be that sniper, I'm gonna be that bow hunter, whatever you want to call it. And if it, if the trade comes to me at two, I take it. And then if it continues higher, it breaks out. That's my stop. I move on. But the biggest thing I see is guys see a stock up 50%. They don't look at the long-term chart. They don't break it down to see where a good entry is. They're just yeah. like, oh, shit, the stock's up 50%. I got to get in. Yeah, no, and it's the same from the long side. From the long side, you can be like, oh, the stock's just uh, it's just spiked. I need to get in on a on a pullback. But you, what you could say is, well, if it consolidates for 20 minutes, it gives me a good base to buy exactly. off. And I'll risk the base. But people won't wait for the base. They're just like, nah, I don't want to miss it. So, yeah, and that, that's where you'll hear people say like, oh, you know, buying breakouts is, you know, it, it doesn't work. Buying breakouts is hard. Well, if you do exactly like what you said, <laughs> you know, let the thing break out, then wait, see if it consolidates. And then if it re-breaks out, that's that VWAP hold idea I talk about all the time. That's your entry. Your entry isn't chasing it at 9.31 a.m., one minute into the day, and you're rushing in because you're like, oh, it's going to go without me. Just chill out, let it consolidate, and then if it re-breaks out, that's your entry with, with risk on consolidation. But when you're, when you're impulsive and you, you, you gotta, gotta get in, man, that's when buying breakouts doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. But um, I guess the main thing that we'll talk about from the book today is, is how you find an edge. So uh, let's let's start off with that clip. Uh, producer, do your funky thing. Traders commonly refer to having an edge in markets. What this means is that they have a positive expectancy regarding the returns from their trades. Card counting can provide an edge to a poker player. But how can traders count the cards of their markets and put probabilities on their side? That was that was it. It's the it's the introduction to it. So basically, uh, the Oops. opening topic is. Uh, I how, blew that. I blew that. So that, that was my. That, I was I was waiting for him to continue the topic. So, okay. Uh, no, no. So basically, uh, it's. Yeah, people have edges in everything. Uh, you can have edges in blackjack by counting the cards. You can have edges in trading by uh, doing certain processes beforehand. But how? what advice would you give to people to find an edge? Biggest thing I say is whether it be paper trading or trading small, those are very, very similar to me. But if you're a new market participant, I say try everything. Try shorting, try going long, try buying breakouts, try buying 52-week highs, try shorting, you know, sketchy stocks. But the biggest thing is you need to track everything and you need to start out with small size. And then what feels good to you, but not only what feels good to you, what does your data reflect? I mean, you might short nine out of 10 times and lose on eight of them where all of a sudden, if you, if you, if you look at other type setups, you're trying those are the ones that are working for you and giving you the majority of your profits. You might remember some of these momentum stocks more because they're exciting, they're fresh in your memory, but then you'll look and be like, oh, this swing trade, you know, I, I made I made 5% in five minutes 
on this scalp, whereas this swing trade idea made me 35% in four days. So, but the ultimately, the biggest thing is to have that data. Name your setups. I don't care what you name them. Give them a name, stay consistent, and track those through the end. And not only whether or not they're winners or losers, but look at your percent gains, et cetera. Because if you're, if you're shorting stocks for 2% and you're, and you're, you're right nine out of 10 times, it doesn't really do you any good if you're trading a different setup that makes you 20%. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I think it's so funny how the stock market, it, although it's completely numerical and it's very cold and it can rip your face off if you're not careful, at the same time, it's very personable in the fact that everybody finds their own little thing that they like. Like for me, I'm in a way my own worst enemy because I love catching the top of the stock. Like I, I, I love it. I've tried it so many times that I'm actually feeling some, uh, I, 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 that's what I'm better at than anything else. But I've, I've got a friend maybe called Jeff Yoko and he loves first red day. He, he, every time he tries to catch the top of a movie, he, he gets squeezed and he loses. Uh, for example, you're completely different. You love shorting the late day fades. Uh, yep, you love going yep. long on the VWAP holds. Like everyone has a specific pattern that they just love. Yeah, I mean, and, and even t- that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because even time of day, I mean, I've talked Very with boring, and, yeah. and, and I, and I've worked in stocks to trade pro. I've worked with a lot of guys where they're like, I cannot get this market open stuff to work, but, but <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, don't do it. And, but, <laughs> but they're like, you know what? When I'm patient and I wait till midday, late day, you know, I'm 60, 70% win rate. Where if I trade the open, I'm 10% win rate or, or my biggest losses come around the open. So also keep that in mind. A lot of this has to do with time of day. I, as you mentioned, when it comes to short setups, I mean, I love those late day fades. Now the, the, the bad, the drawback is quite frequently, depending on your broker, you'll have this great setup. It gets to be 2 p.m. and there's no no shares to borrow. And we'll uh, we need to actually have like a short selling special. Like that should be a upcoming episode. We talk about this borrowing shares a lot and stuff. I don't know if a lot of new traders understand that. But back to the setup. I mean, especially from 27 to I like to say 2012, 2013. I mean, all you had to do was wait for that setup, that that stock up a bunch on no news or sketchy news that's kind of put in that topping action, and then it's fading post 2 p.m. Now, it's not guaranteed, but you would short into that fading action. You would risk the high of the day. You know, if that stock reclaims the high of the day, you know that you're wrong. I love clear stops like that, but those late-day fades were, 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 and they still are, very consistent. Drawback is... A lot of guys, it, it, trust me, and I've been there many, many, many times. You watch this thing for six hours, and then there's no shares. So, yeah, yeah, and and I mean, when uh, and I know Tim Sykes, and I know you, you, well, a lot of people would be like, "How can you short pre market? You must be mental." But for me, because of the time difference, uh, the the time when I have me most focused, I'm not around for the afternoon. I've 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 had to I've had to be like a polar bear that grows big fur in a coat in the winter. You have to like, uh, not, not, I think it's, I think it's pretty much cold. I think it's cold year round in the Arctic 
have to evolve. <laughs> I have to evolve. I mean, I, I mean, I, you, you also you also live in the you currently live in the desert, so you realize that it's like war, it's it's warm year round in the desert, right? I'm I'm like a camel that needs to get enough water. <laughs> no, that none of that makes any sense at all. No, but like you you have to get good at one certain thing, and and people don't realize the detail that you need to go into. But like for me. If, if, if you, the best thing that you can do if you're stuck and you want to master something is just say, I'm going to look at one setup at one time of day and even potentially in one sector. So I'm going to look at uh, stocks that are up Great to percent Yeah. And I'm, I'm only going to look at how they perform in the first 30 minutes because that's when the most volatility is. And if it does this, it's, it goes against the pattern. If it does this, it stays in the pattern. And, and you, you start working out all of the nuances is, is what the stock typically does if it closes big red on the day and what it typically does if it runs on the day. You can tell I think sometimes by the first 20 minutes of the day. Yeah, and 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 that's why, and I'm glad you brought that point up because it's something that you traders need to focus on is that time of day scenario. But let's move on on the clip. But what I like when you, when you talk about Steenbarger finding an edge, I love, even though I, I know we argue about shorting pre-market a lot, but I love the fact that, I mean, you are – when you don't get outside your what you do best, you know, you're very granular. I mean, it's 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 ninety percent biotechs. It stocks up huge. Yeah. Stocks that are at resistance. I mean, when it comes to and those are the questions we got. I mean, think about that type of granularity when you're looking for that edge. Right. I mean, Steven has like five criteria. Has to that, fit them all, yeah. Exactly, yes. Yeah, and, and then I know I know that criteria so well that if it goes outside, I can immediately be like, "Nah, this is wrong. I I cut it." Uh, so cool. But let's let's see what uh, Brett how Brett determines how uh, we have an edge. One way yeah. of accomplishing this is historical investigation. While history may not repeat exactly in markets, we can identify patterns that have been associated with a directional edge in the past and hypothesize that these will yield similar tendencies in the immediate future. By knowing market history, we identify patterns to guide trade ideas. So how can we investigate market history to uncover such patterns? This has been a recurring topic of reader interest on the TraderFeed blog. If you're going to mentor yourself as a trader, your efforts will be greatly aided by your ability to test the patterns you trade. After all, if you know the edge associated with what you're trading, you're most likely to sustain the confidence needed to see those trades through. So I, I, this is a great topic and, you know, I'll get asked all the time, you know, how do I recognize these setups? How do I recognize, you know, I I always talk about former runners, you know, people are like, well, how do you know, where's the database of former runners? And this is, goes back to, you have to have the long, you have to have the steady trade mindset because you can't, you can't absorb all of this market history in two days, two months, etc. You have to be one of the reasons Stocks to Trade Pro is a year-long program is spring's different than summer. Summer's different from fall. You know, winter winter can be trade, you know, the, the, the beginning of the year, the end of the year, there's all these seasonality things. And if you think going in, you're going to somehow digest all of this market history into a few days or weeks. I mean, you just got to show up every day, look at those charts, and and see them over and over and over again. 
Yeah, and, and and like I can I can only think. I mean, a lot of it, and you've said it before, is just having so, as much screen time as possible. Yeah. The more time you've got, I, I, I always call it looking at charts till your eyes bleed. I mean, obviously that's you know a a a a, a exaggeration, but when you look at some of the traders that we featured <laughs> you on, the, you weren't being serious. <laughs> you, you you literally until <laughs> that was the exaggeration. Well, I know you keep trying. Well, I know your Thanks eyes are always. Thanks for pointing that out. Because I was thinking, uh, how, how many, how long do I have to keep my eyes open? Until well, 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 well. Keep in mind, Stephen. I'm talking about looking at your eye, charts till your eyes bleed, not having bloodshot eyes like you do every morning. Okay, there's, there's a difference. You you realize the difference, right? Uh, I'm just pleased to clarify this. Okay. <laughs> but but if you but yeah, there's a difference between bloodshot eyes and looking at charts till your eyes bleed. So, um, but if you look at some of the most successful, the quickest guys that we've had. I mean, of course, the first couple come to mind are Roland Wolf and Stephen Ducks. They've been on past episodes. Check those out. I mean, if you want to talk about looking at charts and screen time, those guys do it. I mean, hours and hours and hours a day. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, it's crazy because sometimes when I if I'm trading and I'm I'm like speaking to a friend or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, dude, get out of this. It shouldn't be holding at this level. This price action looks funny. And he's like, no, 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 it's all good. And then I'll cover and he'll not cover. And I'll go back on him. And I just think, if I've got that after two years, how much how much must you have after the amount of years you've been doing? I mean, do you just see loads of random shit? And like, I, like, I don't know. Like, how do you describe it? Oh, it's interesting because, you know. You're like, uh, you're like, a, 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 you're like a white Yoda. <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that, but it is interesting how you'll, you'll get people that'll be like, Hey, what do you think of this chart? And, and I do it and people, there's actually a running commentary in STT pro. I've, I've talked with a few students and they're like, you know, it's funny. I always used to, when I started, I couldn't figure out why you were always going black when I would mention a chart. And then I talked to one of these guys like a couple of weeks ago and he's like, man, now it's like, I see these charts and it's instantly black. And I know what you're talking about because once you get to that point, I mean, you can, you know, people will ask you about this. I, I'm sure you get it. They'll be like, hey, what do you think of this? First thing you and I do, what all good traders do, is you look at the yearly chart, you look at the intraday chart, and it's amazing. And I'm not putting down new guys. That's why we're here is for the new guys and girls. But it's like sometimes you're like, what are you looking at here? This chart is a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. I mean, yeah, I had I had a, a, a someone someone say this. It was the stock that had just had the offering today. They're like, e- ECYT. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, ECYT. They're like, it's just had an offering. Uh, why is it going up? And I was like, no, nah, dude, I've just read the news. They said they've closed the offering, not that they've got the offering. And he's like, oh, I totally missed that. I was like, well, you need to read it, <laughs> you need to yep. read it carefully. But it's okay. You've just made a little mistake. No big deal. Right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, for me. Uh, someone said, I think it might've been, you probably said it to us in the past. Like every year it gets easier. Like the first year is your hardest. Second year it gets a bit easier. Third year it gets a bit easier. Now it's now keep in mind. It's, it's never easy. Okay. I don't it's care. There we go. Yep. Yep. I just wanted, you know, cause the, you know, that that's the delineation I want to make. It, it, it does get easier and I'll let you finish, but just remember. And I think that's one of the things that attracts us to trading is you're never done. It's never easy. But you're right. You you've got that exponential learning curve over the first couple of years, and it does get significantly easier if 
you stay in the game. Yeah, no, and, and that was, coincidentally, with having so much brotherly love, yeah, bro, it's like a bromance, even though we're nowhere near the right age to be brothers, because I'm significantly younger than you are. But um, the the first thing that you said to me when we were first starting to arrange the podcast, before we'd even spoke before, you said, Stephen, just whatever you do, don't quit. And these yep. they were your first words to me on Skype. You're like, whatever you do, just don't quit, because you will get it in the end. And from, I wasn't the quickest learner. My, my first 12 months were all red days. All, all red days. Um, and then I had a couple of green ones, then I had a couple of green weeks, then I had a balance. And then now, now it's uh, mostly green days, and every now and then I get ahead of myself and mess up. But, but it, in when another you, year, it'll be all good. Exactly. You're still 14 months, 15 months, whatever that number is. Yeah, I, I use these analogies all the time. I don't care. You know, if you, I I think a lot of listeners know, I mean, I'm kind of a weekend handyman type of guy. I mean, if you think you're going to learn everything about home construction in six months, nine months, I mean, I mean, you don't, I've learned these, you know, I, well, I started out doing construction with my dad around the farm when I was probably 10 years old, but then I got a fixer upper when I was 20, you know, watched a lot of this old house, read a lot of books, learned from other guys. I mean, I yeah. like to think that I'm, I'm, I'm by no means a master craftsman, but 99% of the stuff around the house I can fix, but it took me freaking 20 years to learn all that stuff, you know? Nah, but, but, but people will say like, people will say to me, uh, how did you hang in there? How did you get through those rough times when you're losing constantly? And I said, just small goals. I, I just, all I wanted was a green day. Then yep. all I wanted was a green week. Then all I wanted was back to back green weeks and it built and built. And then I wanted a green month and it just builds like that. And that, dear listener, as much as I, well, hate's a strong word, as much as I dislike Stephen, that was a solid gold quote right there. I mean, that is your, the biggest reason 90% of traders fail is they want to quit their job tomorrow. You know, they want to get rich next week. What Stephen said is your goal. You want green, and I'm beating the desk, sorry, but it's hard not to beat the desk. It's hard not to, but um, (laughs) as a new trader, that is your goal. Green days, you know, three out of five green days a week, then green weeks, then green months, then multiple green months. Those are your goals. It's not quitting your job next week. It's not getting rich next month. Those are the guys that aren't around 15 months later like Steven is. And and on that level of, inspiration and aspiration and almost a little perspiration uh let's uh get on to the final clip which is kind of an outro to the book the goal is to make a work of art of your life by becoming the best you can possibly be the great disease that afflicts most people is their inability to think greatly of themselves it's not about narcissism which reflects an absence of self not authentic greatness and it's not about new age self-esteem palliatives Rather, thinking greatly of oneself is charting a path in life that makes a difference. It's living a goal-oriented life, not a life of drifting from day to day. It's remaining true to values and purposes so that life has worth and meaning. It's about making such a profound impact that someone, somewhere, will want to conclude their book with a dedication to you. Pretty high-level kind of inspiration there, but... I think 
probably the most important part for me was uh, any t- and the whole essence is about being your own daily trading coach. And to do that, you've got to you've got to be able to believe in yourself. And and a lot of people called me delusional in the early days. They're like, "You're because I was stupid on YouTube and I was mental on YouTube." And they're like, "Yeah, but I mean, I think I think everybody, you, you know, I think one of the biggest one of your greatest qualities, I think, is one of the biggest reasons people gave you flack because people had unrealistic expectations and they're like. You know, here's Steven Johnson a month in and they're like, all he does is lose. What a, you know, what a loser. He doesn't know what he's doing a month in. And it's like, yeah, buddy. And you wonder why you're not successful at trading because you expect him to master this thing three weeks into it. Yeah. No, but I mean, but that's the thing, but you've, you've just, you've just got to believe in yourself and you've got, to, and he says you've, you've got to believe that you're something a little bit different and you can achieve the best things that, that, that you want to achieve. And, and uh, the, I think the key to, to being successful, not that I am, I was overall profitable last year, which is very cool, but the, the key to being successful is just self-belief and small goals. Uh, why, why can you not do it? I used to think that, like, not why, why should I be able to do it, but why should I not be able to do it? If I put three or four hours a day in studying, why, why not me? That's what I used to think. Why not me? Uh, and that question has, has done me a lot of good over the years. Yeah, I agree that, 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 you know, in, in that grinding mindset, you know, that, that willingness to show up every day. I mean, when I was getting started trading, you know, 2007, 2008, I, I had a business. Did oh, you have sure. any doubts you, you were not going to make it? Did you think, I am not good enough? Oh, yeah, yeah, pl- pl- plenty of times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, I can't, I, you know, I, I, uh, I will admit, that I, you know, and this is something that, that they talk about a lot in, in self-help books or whatever, but, um, you know, I, I will admit that I, I am my own worst critic. Um, they talk a lot about, you know, when you, when you're doing self-talk and stuff, you know, if you talk to like your friends or someone else, the way you talk to yourself, you know, you, you'd have no friends. So, so I'll move on, but, but yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, back then, 2007, 2008, I, I'm like, you know, is this right? How did now, you get I, yeah, yeah. How did I mean, you get through, though? well, that's what how I was getting you? at is, yeah. is, you know, even though I had a business, even though I had kids, I was determined to show up every day and get that 1% better. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but like James Altucher has a quote, like if you're, if you get 1% better each day, that's not, 365% better in the year. I mean, it's like 4,800% or whatever that number is. Yeah. But if you show up every day, do that prep, look at charts, even if you're not trading, you show up every day, grind, grind, grind. And that's how you, you ultimately find that success. But if you don't have, you know, if you don't know what the end game is, if you don't know what you're going to do each day, that's how you have to show up. And that's how you have to get a little bit better. Yeah. People don't realize though, like you've got to look at progress on a three months time scale. Like every three months, how was that three months ago? How am I now? How, how good was that six months ago? How much am I now? What are, what are my losses six months ago compared to what are my losses or break even our gains now? You've got to look at big pictures. You cannot just look like I've got better in the last few days. And I think uh, it's a great way, you know, journaling is a huge thing. You know, do, write down your thoughts uh, and, and, and review those. One of the things I like about again, what you did with your YouTube channel is it was basically a journal, you know, you were sharing it, but, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure if you go back 
and look at like I your cannot, first. I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> if you go back and look at That's your crazy. first like two episodes, you'll probably be like, "Oh, I was such an idiot," you know. <laughs> I I don't know how people could watch it. I don't know how people could watch it because the level of technical analysis and fundamental analysis was so terrible. Uh, but I don't know. People 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 appreciated it for 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 publicly taking the losses. Uh, and with with humility to a degree, um, and someone else who has humility is is the, the the next star of the of the show. I don't know if we want to jump onto that. Do you have anything else to say? You, no, no, no. Any- I would say, well, well, this is the last thing I would say, and I'm pretty sure I said this in part one of this episode. But I mean, if you're an aspiring trader, daily trading coach by Brett Steenbarger. I mean, it's pricey as books come. I think it's twenty five bucks or something like that, but even if you're not a reader, you, know, you can get the audio book like Steven did, you know, I'm, yes, I, I, and, but you know, get on the treadmill, whatever. But I mean, if you don't buy this book and you don't read it, if you're not willing to commit to like literally like five minutes a day, that's the beauty of this book. Each chapter, maybe a long chapter is 10 minutes. If you're a slow reader, do it, just buy it, read it, read one chapter a day, or two or three or whatever, but, but buy this book. There, there is no, I mean, there's lots, there, there's tons and tons of great trading books, but I always say if there is one, if there's one you have to have, it is the daily trading coach. Okay. And yeah. And, and one final treat for, for the end, I, I got a, a text message. It was, it was from a, a girl who I, I met at the, the Tim Sykes conference. We both met her. Uh, she's a fan of the podcast. And she uh, she loved your rendition, Tim. Well, it was all that I could do to keep from trading. Sometimes it seems so useless to pay commissions. And she loved it so much uh, that she wanted to do her own uh, and she's put some uh, I've heard a bit of it but I wanted us to hear it together on air uh, so so I, just I, a, I, just a quick background if you go back to you know go back in our archive there is the I think it's episode 28 the slow market blues I did a yeah. a, a, a terrible rendition of David Allen Coe's you never call me by my name and and for some reason, it did inspire some listeners. So David Allen Coe, um, a little more edgy than than Kenny Rogers, but uh, they are contemporaries. So we had this, uh, this listener was inspired to do a Kenny Rogers tribute to the podcast. Okay, and our name is Jude. Our name is Jude, just so he gets the credit. Okay. Signed up with the challenge with Timothy Sykes. But I needed more hand-holding and nothing seemed more right. So I signed up with Timbo and I was glad to know that all I ever needed was stocks to trade pro. Was confused in sector madness. November and December, then we had a small market crash. What could I do? So I spent more time listening. To all the lessons, they said it's not a good time to trade now, or you'll lose all your dough. So I listened to my teachers, both Tim and Tim. 
telling all their students to be careful going in. Spend time with your family. Watch Netflix in bed. But most important of all, I remember what they said. You gotta know when to hold them. And to keep holding them. Wait for the right place. Soon they will come. Don't throw out your hard-earned money. Cause you are bored. Use the time to study until there are more runs. Decided to write the song after hearing Bowen sing. It could have been a country song, it was a big debauchery. Tim, if you need help with your lyrics and your vocals, I'm on Pacific Standard Time. You can call on me, I'll end this song now. To put things in perspective, Trading is hard if you don't have the right mindset. I want to thank Tim and Steven for all your humor. Listen to Steady Trade Podcast and remember what they said. You gotta know when to hold them and to keep holding them. Wait for the right place. Soon they will come. Don't throw out your hard-earned money. Because you are bored, use time to study until there are more runs. Well, I mean, no bullshit. I have, I mean, I don't know if it shows up on camera, but I have tears running down my face. I, 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 I'm sure it probably came through on the video. <laughs> that might be no, the no, greatest no. song in, in, in country stock trading history. I mean, if any music producers are listening, then her name is Juden, and we can, we can send you ideas. <laughs> G'day. This is Keith from Down Under, and I like to ride my Harley through the mountains while listening to Stephen and Tim on the Steady Trade podcast. You can register to win real, actual prizes at their website, steadytrade.com. And if you like what you hear, give the podcast a five-star rating and write a glowing report on iTunes. I did. And this is how we say goodbye in Australia, mate.